0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network.
1: Hi, this is Peter David, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Have a great day.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is X-Factor, Episode 7A, covering a period of X-Factor from 1991 to 1992. Uh, I am your host, Curtis Findlay.
1: And I'm the X-Factor host, Jared Abrahamson.
0: And we have an all-new, all-different X-Factor to talk about today, don't we, Jared?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, one of my favorite runs of all
0: time. Really? And why, why is it one of your favorite runs of all time.
1: Well, I, I think Peter David is a great writer. Uh, you know, he's very, very witty. Yeah. And actually digs deeper into the characters than most other writers. I think
0: so. Yeah. And even with this book, it's, this book is such an interesting blend because it almost comes off as a comedy book. Mm -hmm. But you're right, he does dig deep. He doesn't write these characters off as fluff because he's writing comedy. There are still some very deeply touching moments in here. Uh, quite, Quite an interesting mix. Really well done, well balanced. Oh, yeah. Okay, what are the issues that we're going to be talking about today? Today,
1: uh, we will be tackling X-Factor number 71 through 76 and Incredible Hulk 390 through
0: 392. Right, so there are two basic story arcs in this volume, uh, in the first half of this volume. Oh, okay. By the way, we're talking about X Factor Epic Collection Volume Seven. It's called All New, All Different X Factor, and we're just going to talk about the first half of this book in this episode. We're going to tackle the second half in the second, in the next week's episode. But this book has two distinct stories. There's, of course, the formation of the team and the the story that revolves around multiple men and the Nasty Boys. And then it goes into a crossover with Incredible Hulk. So those are the two major things that we're going to be discussing here. Uh, But just before we go into that section, what are the things that people need to know if they're just picking up this volume without having read any of the previous volumes? What are the threads and the plot lines that are continuing over to this book?
1: Well, I I think this is... uh great jumping on point you don't really need to know anything Mm -hmm. uh that's gone before because i mean i didn't when i first read these but (laughs) yeah but you know a couple a couple things that sort of uh become important the extinction agenda crossover that happened like a year before this this started certain threads specifically with uh wolvesbane and and havoc uh is are brought up right and and that that's the, the biggest thing, I think. But but then also the, the previous story to this was a, a crossover with um, well, X Factor is a totally different team in the in these issues than they were <laughs> the previous one. But right, right. but the, the previous story to this starting was basically X Factor and the X Men joining up again and yeah. And then yeah. this is, has some of the fallout to that.
0: So I think, yeah, let's give a little rundown of the history so far. Okay, so we yeah. have the original X-Men team, Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Beast, Iceman, and Angel. They they were Xavier's original students. Then that title wasn't popular, so it got canceled. And then when they brought back the X-Men, they brought it back with an all-new, all-different X-Men with like Wolverine and Colossus and Nightcrawler and Storm and all them, Right. Um, And then they wanted to bring back the original team. So they, this is in the 80s. So they brought it back as a team called X-Factor. And the the whole thing about X-Factor is that they had ties to the government. They were, they're trying to be like official mutant liaisons to the, to the, you know, mutant threats and that kind of stuff.
1: Right. Well, yeah. Originally they were posing as uh, mutant hunters.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's right. And, so that, uh, and that was the original team of X-Men, but they just called themselves X-Factor. So as that book went along, they kind of dropped a lot of those concepts and it basically became just another X-Men book, right. um, kind of indistinguishable from all the others. So when they did have that crossover just before this volume is released, it kind of made sense. And this is a pivotal moment in X-Men history when mm. they, took all, they took all of these characters And they kind of reshuffled the deck. They took all of the cards and shuffled them up and redistributed everybody. And so the original X-Men rejoined uh, the X-Men for the first time since they left in the 60s. And this is the beginning of the Jim Lee era of the the volume two, X-Men number one, volume two, which was like the best selling comic at the time.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it had five different covers, but that they all, certainly
0: helped. Yeah. <laughs> I lined
1: up. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got them all.
0: <laughs> right. So do I. Yeah. And at the same time, they launched X-Force, which also was a huge book. And then they right. revamped X-Factor. Now, because all of the original team had gone back to X-Men, there was nobody to fill that gap. And so uh, so Peter David took over the book and they made this team out of these characters that are kind of the lesser known, lesser used characters. Yeah, this is a very interesting move because if if this were done today, this would be a number one. But instead, they kept oh, they kept the numbering. It just went from issue number seventy to seventy one. Even though, like you said, it's kind of a, a hard stop, and a, and they completely restarted the book with a different feel, a different look. Um, the comedic mm-hmm. factor of the book went up, and featuring these characters that. You know, a lot of people, if they hadn't been paying attention, may not even know. Strong guy? I mean multiple man was only in a handful of issues before this, even though he's been around since you know, for like fifteen years yeah, before this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but he was he was more like he wasn't so much a character as he was a power set. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. And the same with same with Strong Guy. He he'd been around for well, less time, but uh, you know, still five at least five years this point if not more
0: but but, but very just... sparingly used like barely made oh, yeah. any uh, like if you ask the person on the street they probably not know who he is and that's probably the same way it's like today probably people wouldn't know who he is either but right. um and then polaris and havoc who have been pretty prominent characters throughout history never have really had a place until now like they've been off and on kind of characters right in on yeah. off and on teams and Wolfsbane, of course, being in New Mutants, has had a lot of development. She's one of the more developed characters, I think, in this book, at, at least at the start. Yeah. And then and Quicksilver. I find it odd that the cover of this epic collection has a... And it's the very first issue of this all-new, all-different X-Factor. It doesn't have Quicksilver on the cover.
1: Yeah, I was actually looking to that. Quicksilver didn't make the cover of, you know, any of the issues until, I think, Seventy
0: nine or eighty or something like that. What really? Wow, I didn't notice. Not yeah. even like for the seventy fifth issue. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, he's look, not there. Wow, it's not there. Yeah. That makes me wonder if they didn't know at the time whether he was going to be staying on the team or what. Right. Because he never really adopted a costume or anything like that. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's that's very interesting. Yeah. But he was there at the beginning, at least. Um, right mm-hmm. from the right from the start, as far as the issues are concerned. Okay, yeah, that kind of gives us this history. We are now here in X-Factor during one of the the most popular points in X-Men history – And Peter David is also writing The Incredible Hulk at one of the most popular times of The Incredible Hulk's history as well. So if you can imagine that, he's got uh, a lot on his plate and a lot of attention on him right now. Yeah, yeah. Before we start, let's look at some listener comments. I asked on Instagram and on Facebook and on Twitter for people to give some comments about this epic collection. Let's see what they say. Elvis Estrada number one says I had low expectations after reading new mutants but I was surprised to find that I really enjoyed this run much better than most of the other X-Men spin-offs from that time period and I wonder what era of new mutants he was reading in order to form his opinion because uh, there's some pretty different runs in, in new mutants throughout the years there are yeah yeah Uh, nerd in the nook says love that larry stroman art yeah i'll have lots to say about larry stroman because he's quite stylized and i really really like him and i'll i'll give some examples of why i like him do you like him are you a larry stroman fan i do yeah
1: i do i you know he's very different than i mean i i guess at this time everyone was trying to be jim lee and he's (laughs) not jim lee (laughs) no he's not Yeah, yeah yeah
0: totally okay over on twitter shatterstar poetry jam (laughs) that's a funny name (laughs) says uh, love seeing the more obscure mutants of that time being featured strong guy multiple man Polaris all were used sparingly before that yeah we kind of touched on that earlier Tommy has a big comment over on Facebook he says I don't have this epic but I have the old set of four visionaries trades about the issues in this epic it's a nice breath of fresh air as Peter David's writing made wonders and it was great to see some B-side characters in the spotlight the Hulk cross over is great. Larry Stroman's art was surprising, but it fits the series. In my visionary trades, I don't have the full annual seven, uh, the Shattershot part, the Shattershot mm-hmm. story, but the other stories were good. We had a fun story with Derek Robertson on art about Val Cooper and Joe Madrera with a tribute to Calvin and Hobbes. So we'll talk about that in next week's episode. Yeah. Now, the bad side, he says. The villains, the naughty boys, Mr. Sinister's henchmen, hell's bells, cyber's lackeys. Mostly lackeys except for Rhapsody and far from being charismatic. I think, however, that at one time they fight the Mutant Liberation Force, or Front, I guess it's supposed to be called, yes, Front. front. Yeah. Um, there are nice backstories, however, with some of them. They explain the past of one of the naughty, bo- Nasty Boys, and at one moment, Tempest from the Mutant Liberation Front helps the team with some info. So they do have their moments. But yeah, they, these bad guys, I think because this is a comedic book, they're trying to make a little bit more comedic villains, and that doesn't quite pay off in the right way. Uh, he also yeah. says the change of pencilers is not great in this volume. There's not a whole... Yeah, I guess there's the... Um, who's the artist toward the end of the book? Is it still, still Strowman at the end? Yeah, it's still Strowman uh, at the end, but he has there are some fill-ins. Yeah. There's, a, there's a Tom Rainey fill-in who's... He's a good penciler, and uh, the annual yeah. has a bunch of different pencilers as well. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll touch on that as we go through as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so overall, he says, go with it if you're curious. For me, it's so-so. There you go. Your favorite run of all time, Jared, is just so-so. What do you think about that? (laughs) Just so-so. Well, yeah. Uh. (laughs) Sean says, I didn't know what to think of this book when they switched. By issue 73 or 74, it was my favorite X book. It was unlike anything else at the time. Writing was so tight. The Stroman art grows on you until you can't deny how awesome it is. I couldn't have been more excited for Havoc and Polaris to lead a series. Just an all-time favorite. There you go. That's more in line with your views, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then Phillips says, As someone who bought X-Factor from issue number one and liked the original X-Men team together, it was a big shift when the issues first came out, and resentment of the change led me to not liking it at the time. Reading it in epics, which was probably the first time I had read it since it came out, made me appreciate it a lot more. Yes, it was different, but different isn't necessarily bad. I'm still not sure if folding the original X-Men back into the main book was a good idea, and even less sure about splitting those five up between two teams. That's a conversation for another time. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. But I bet a lot of people were in the same boat because if you really enjoyed the title that was going on and to have this drastic of a change, that mm-hmm. would be very off putting to a lot of people, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I, I can see that. Uh, I can see why. But but actually, you know, I mean the whole creative team changed. And the penciler of the previous issue, most of the previous issues, uh, uh in the sixties was, uh, Will yep. and then he went over to, to X-Men. X-Men. that's right. Yeah. So,
0: so then most people yeah. would just jump over to that title because that's where the characters went and that's where the, uh, the, the penciler went that kind of just right. continued over there. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, it would be easier to swallow if the title just ended and then they rebooted it to number one. I right. think people I mean, would have been able to to give it a different appreciation if it didn't have the numbering continuity
1: yeah yeah but but then this uh, this team of you know that like B, B or C or D <laughs> level uh, X characters would uh, would that new title have lasted at all?
0: Yeah, that's a good point because these are not especially at the time and even still today, except for maybe like Multiple Man's actually become a pretty good character. But um, yeah. would yeah, you're right because they already had a bunch of people already subscribed to being regular X Factor um buyers or and readers yeah you're right if if they expected people to jump on number 1 with a team that featured strong guy and wolf spain like yeah you pr- probably wouldn't have got the same numbers good point right
1: yeah but still i, I kind of feel like this is um this run is almost like a uh you know a cult run <laughs> of of the x books like you know, the, the people who know about it generally seem to love it, but not everybody knows about it. Like, m- much more people are know about, you know, X-Force and the Jim Lee run yeah. of X-Men and, and stuff, and I feel like that's more well-known,
0: more talked about than this run. Yeah, I think you're right. Cult classic is a good way to, to put it, I think. Yeah. Last comment here for today. Ben says, loved Peter David's X-Factor. He took a bunch of characters no one else wanted and showed just how great they are. Every later writer is still referencing David's version of Quicksilver. It had mostly great art. Larry Stroman and Joe uh, Joe Quesada both did some amazing work. And Peter mm-hmm. David is currently going through a health crisis, and I wish him the best. That's right, he is um, he's having problems with his kidneys currently and needs a kid- oh. kidney transplant. So yeah, Peter, we do wish you the best, and uh, hope yeah, you get a, hope that that all works out and you get to have a speedy recovery. Oh, yeah. Well, why don't we tackle this book, then? We're going to start with X Factor number 71. Uh, and uh, here, I'll start off here. This this issue is called Cutting the Mustard. And so right off the bat, you can tell that this is going to be an odd book with a title like that and a splash page just featuring Guido's massive form, like his his bulk in his purple shirt take up the entire, entire page. I love it. Uh, So this is the issue where this new team is formed. Uh, We are introduced to each character individually and quick. But the main main plot is that Quicksilver's powers are causing him to age rapidly. And then at the very end, multiple man out of the blue is shot and killed. So very interesting issue where we get uh, the death of a character of one of our team members that's prominently featured on the front cover right in the first issue. I can't imagine how shocking, but I mean... You think about it, and it's like, okay, this is multiple men. So, is this just a duplicate? I think we can we can figure out that he's not actually dead. Yeah. Or is he? Or I is he? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So right off the bat, you know, mentioned the splash page with, with Guido and the purple shirt and and stuff, and him saying, "You got any grape con? Yep. <laughs> like, and the title right above that, "Cutting the mustard." You know, that's a it's a good joke. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is. And this book is full of great jokes. I feel like it has a a really nice sense of humor. Um, It (laughs) works well. The humor works well with the artwork, which sometimes humor in comics is hard to do. Because do you just (laughs) do it? Do you do physical humor? Or do you do topical references? or, Or what? Like, when you... When you don't have the ability of timing and inflection, and you have to assume that the reader is putting their own timing and their own inflection into the jokes, uh, it's very, very easy for jokes to fall flat that way and for people right. to not find things funny. But I think Peter David has a good sense of how to write jokes for the comic medium in this sense, but also it works well with Larry Stroman's art uh, because he gets to dictate how the panels are laid out and how the, de- the panels kind of determine the flow of the jokes as well. So there are right. times when he will make a string of jokes in uh, a bunch of really, really small, tiny panels and the small tiny panels make you slow down and <clears throat> and and you have to read more it takes longer to go through the page so i think that sense of timing really helps with some jokes and then if there's more physical jokes he'll he'll use bigger panels to make him move a little faster and make the you know make the punchline pop so it it's it's actually a really, really good blending of the two, the writer and the artist. They work really well together.
1: Yeah. And also, I think Stroman is great on facial expressions, too. Yes, and, that and definitely that, helps. That
0: helps. Yeah. Oh, for sure this issue being a first issue is uh, a little light on action but that's because we are just being introduced to the characters kind of for the first time uh the (coughs) peter david assumes that we don't know any of these characters which is good so we get introduced kind of to each of their power sets except for guido we don't really know anything about him except that he's huge we can infer from his massive muscles that he's a powerhouse but we don't really know much about him at this point.
1: Only that he he can't open a mayo jar.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, nobody. on the <laughs> Nobody Z can. can. Do that. <laughs> yeah. that was a great running gag. I thought that was a nice way to to tie the the whole issue together and mm-hmm. also to show off the the comedy bits as well.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And at, at at the end, everyone's using their powers to try and open this mayo jar. Nobody can do it. <laughs> and then uh, Val Val Cooper, the the human.
0: <laughs> the human. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) No issue. (laughs) Yep. But yeah. We get a cameo from Cyclops and Professor X in this. And I think this is important because... That ties the old team with the new team. For readers right. who are a little off-put, they, this is sort of like a handing off or passing of the torch moment so mm-hmm. that we can see like, oh, we're not forgetting the past, the history of X-Factor. Uh, this is definitely the continuation of it.
1: Right. Yeah. And yeah. And Cyclops is wearing his X-Factor right. uniform, not, yeah. not his new one.
0: That's right. <laughs> that he
1: did, You know, the same month. Yeah. <laughs> Cyclops and Professor X, they they talked to to Havoc to you know to join trying to talk him into joining the team because he doesn't want any part of it <laughs> until they mention that uh Lorna, polaris appeared beyond <laughs> the
0: team. Yeah, right. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah, they have a long history, those two. So it's, uh, yeah. and I don't know, like I, I've read X-Men in such, you know, bits and pieces. So right. I never know how long they've been apart or like where they are in their relationship here. But th- obviously, they're at a point where it's a little bit strained. They're not sure how to be around each other. So that'll right. be a nice progression as they work through that together in these, in this book. yeah. yeah okay you want to take us through the next issue
1: issue 72 titled multiple homicide love it, it yeah right because yeah it picks up right from the end of the previous issue where multiple man has been shot and appears to appears to have been killed um the Rest of the team sees it on the news, so they go to that location to find out what's going on. And uh, as they're around the body, going going to avenge Jamie, he just pops up behind them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, so he's he's alive and well. Yeah. Then later, there's a press conference where they're announcing to the world this new X Factor team and a another version of multiple man shows up in the crowd claiming to be the original and wanting to well you know claiming that the one on the team is a f- imposter
0: yeah great uh great moment there i love it and th- you said this before multiple man at this point hadn't really been developed as a character he right. we know that like, yeah you call them a power set and that's that's kind of how he was through the, the the very few appearances that he made before this. So this is <laughs> kind of the very first time that we're seeing um, you know, the personalities have, you know, distinct different personalities, like they're they are individualistic thinkers. and that That's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it's more prevalent in later issues, but different versions of, of multiple man have different personalities.
0: Yeah. And I think Peter David really does that. I don't know if he gets into that in this series, but he sure does that in uh, when he relaunches X Factor in, you know, yeah. what, what are the 2000s. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And
1: I mean, that, that, that series was all basically all multiple man. He was the (laughs) star of it, so.
0: Now, there is some really, really great dialogue in here, existential dialogue, Mm -hmm. where Havoc is really trying to come to grips on uh, what it means to have a duplicate. He has a little bit of a breakdown because he's like, I didn't I didn't realize... Yeah, he doesn't realize what kind of effect that he would have on his dupes. Like he just used them as cannon fodder. He would send them out so that uh, they would be distractions, that they would get killed, and, and he didn't have to worry about it. But what if all of these personalities all of his duplicates actually are individual sentient beings that have their own lives and have their own souls like great right. uh, he's having a great existential crisis right now yeah yeah and we you'd say that Peter David d- digs deep into these characters and it's like right off the bat here he's he's really making Jamie question his own being and, and his ho- his whole worldview that he's known his entire life
1: right I think he says that this is the first time uh, any of his dupes have been killed yeah and he can't reabsorb the the dead body <laughs> which you know, messes with him.
0: Totally. Yeah, it, that would be frightening. Yeah, yeah, because right. like, did the dupe suffer? Did the dupe? Did the dupe have? A, have? Have a like? If this one has been separated from a long time, and he, has he formed relationships? Is there anybody we should be notifying? And like, there's a lot of implications to that that he, he hadn't thought about before.
1: Right. Right. Yeah um there's a great line i don't remember if it's in this issue or in a later one but um where they talk about how the the different versions or dupes of of jamie they have different perspectives even if it's only a few feet
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally yeah so yeah and perspectives in more than one more than one way yeah yeah larry strowman's art is really great in this i love the way he draws strong guy Uh, He puts so much detail into his backgrounds. And some of these pages, these backgrounds, I just look at them and like look at all of the the rulers he was using. And Al Milgram is his inker. And while I'm not usually that much of a fan of Al Milgram, uh, these two make a good pair. I think that Al definitely understands what Larry's going for. And, and tries his best to mimic the lines in order to keep Strowman's very, very specific look and style. Yeah. Do you know Kyle Baker? Are you familiar with that name? Um, no, I don't think so. Kyle Baker is, is uh, an artist who's done a lot of kind of independent work. Mm-hmm. He did a run on Plastic Man kind of in the 2000s, okay. and he was very, very comedic. <laughs> but uh, when he was doing kind of underground stuff in the 80s, he did a, kind of books like um, "Why I Hate Saturn" and the Cowboy mm. Wally Show, and I think that he his style is very similar to to Larry Strowman, or rather that Larry Strowman is very similar to Kyle Baker because Kyle Kyle kind of came first, okay. but I like both of their style. They have a a, a mix of very accurate proportions mixed with. Um, Exaggerated features, and you—you look at hair like Polaris's. That's always—it always feels like it's water that's flowing. Right. That's kind of something that Kyle Baker did as well. I feel like their styles are kind of in in line with each other. Okay.
1: Did you know in this issue, Larry Strowman drew himself into
0: one of the panels? Ah, is he the police officer? He's police officer. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's great.
1: One other thing I, I would have to mention on this issue, uh, the first appearance of Vic Chalker. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> okay. So oh. I have I have no idea who this Vic Chalker guy is, but he's pretty funny. I assume he's yeah. going to be a big player later on. Yeah. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> big player yeah. factor. <friend>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to give anything away. But okay, good. The, don't the, give
0: the, anything away. Great. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah, I should mention that I am reading these... Other than the odd issue here and there that I read as a kid, I'm reading this whole run for the first time and I'm just loving it. It's so, so well done. So yeah, Vic Chalker, he's really funny in these issues because he's building this contraption and the comedy just is really, really great too. Like it gets in the machine and it's not working because it's too powerful and it's, drawn all, it's drained all the battery right away. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah really good. Okay, we'll go on to issue number 73. This one's called Crowd Control. Another joke on, on multiple men's powers. I love it. I, I think these are brilliant names. Uh, but in this one, the team X-Factor tries to determine who is the real Jamie Madrox, and they both make very convincing arguments. Um, but the, the issue starts off with a, a big fight because they have to take down both multiple men's who start fighting with, with each other, and it's the classic you know, you hold a gun to the the people who look the same. It's like, which one do I shoot? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, we get a lot of good character moments as well from like Guido, who is, who's been kind of the, uh, he's been a lot of the comedy relief through these first few issues, but he also, you know, is a guy to, uh, to kind of keep the peace and de-escalate situations. So that's good. But then at the very end, um, we find out that there's going to be something going on with, with, with Strong Guy. Oh, one thing we forgot to mention is Strong Guy gets his name in the last issue. When they go on TV, yeah, he doesn't that's... have a superhero name. And so nope. the the TV host is introducing them. Kind of reminds me of like when in the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man, when Bruce Campbell is introducing <laughs> Peter Parker. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and human spider. Yeah, exactly. But name. Yeah. in this one, the, the host says... Uh, And there's one more guy. Is that strong guy over there? And what's your name? Oh yeah, that's it. I'm Strong Guy. (laughs) Strong Guy. Yeah.
1: And yeah, I think uh, uh, Havoc is like, that's terrible. You can't do that. But yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) So anyway, yeah. Back to Strong Guy and his moment. He has a moment in the sun when he's on TV, and he is uh, he's blasting the the people for using the term mutant as a derogatory term but they it's kind of a weird conversation i find because while it is addressing a certain um a certain subject that i think is good to be addressed and they do this in the x men cartoon as well they they kind of address what it means to be a mutant and how that term is used in the public But he says we should be, he has this big, long, long kind of a rant. And then the TV host says, well, what should we call you guys? And he says, just call us genetically challenged or GCs for short. And they kind of, they, they turn it into a joke. So I was like, oh, that's kind of weird that they take a, a, a nice speech and a nice sentiment and then turn it into a joke. But on the flip side, I also remember when Havoc himself Address the public. I can't remember what era this is, but it's more like in like the Avengers versus X Men era. It might mm-hmm. have actually been Avengers versus X Men, when he pur- Purple he says, "Hey, mutant is not a, a derogatory term. This is who we are. We're proud of it. We are mutant mutants." So. Uh, yeah, the, the the writers of these books kind of flip-flop between between what they think about that term mutant.
1: I, I kind of almost feel that uh, you know the term Guido comes up with genetically challenged. To me, that that seems like it would be more insulting than mutant. But
0: yeah, because, I don't know. exactly, because you're saying you're saying that uh, it's a you have a deficiency being genetically challenged. Right, is right. you're deficient which is not the case they are enhanced they they are proud of the fact that they have their these abilities or most of them are at least Mm -hmm. okay we get a little bit more of the the subplot that you mentioned before where Wolfsbane is kind of following around havoc and i think it comes does it come to a head in the next one i can't remember but yeah there is an ongoing story where she's kind of following him around in secret and watching what's going on a little jealous of polaris so that's that's an interesting yep. thing because I just finished reading the Demon Bear Saga, New Mutants epic, and Wolfsbane's character there is okay. so different than how she is now. How it's progressed in those short few years through the '80s, right? But she's uh, very right. different, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and a lot of a lot of why that why she's different happened in the Extinction Agenda crossover, right? I mean, that's why she can't go into her human form.
0: Yeah, there's another story that I've read like maybe four chapters of that story because I had those random issues as a kid but haven't read the full thing. So I should probably get on that sometime. Right.
1: (laughs) yeah well i mean it'll eventually be in an epic collection so
0: (laughs) yep 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 soon enough hopefully the it's going to be in most likely the the last new mutants volume volume i think it's nine Mm -hmm. or maybe it's ten i can't remember but anyway let's keep on going issue number 74
1: 74 this issue is titled politically incorrect and it features a big guy by the name of slab taking hostages at the washington monument and the team go to uh stop him and guido has a big fight With this big guy, and they end up destroying the Washington Monument, and then a senator comes out of nowhere to say that they're that they're in super big trouble for doing that, which understandable, (laughs) yeah, 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 understandable. But but also, it's uh, this this senator. It's sort of hinted at that he's behind everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. in the past
0: yeah. few issues. So. Actually, that's something that we haven't really talked about is there's an ongoing thread about kind of their powers going a little crazy. And so that's why Quicksilver, he's been going through some tests about why he seems to be aging when, he's, when he runs. And then Multiple Man here, um, his his duping power is kind of going a little nuts. And the same thing with, we're finding out with Strong Guy in this one, he gets a little too, he gets way more powerful than he expected. We get a little bit of an explanation about what Strong Guy's powers actually are in this one. And so what is explained in this issue is that when he's hit, he absorbs the kinetic energy and he can channel it back out through his fists in, in, form of, in the form of raw strength. And so the more he gets hit, the more powerful he becomes. And I can think of another character that has a very similar power set that kind of debuts around this time. Do you know who that is? Um, I, who can? Uh, who absorbs powers and rechannels it? One of your favorites. It's Bishop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Bishop. Oh, yeah. Right? Because, yeah, Bishop, if, yeah. He, if he gets shot or he, like, absorbs that shot and he can channel it back out through his hands. Right. It's kind of right. the same thing.
1: <laughs> that, that That's true. I mean, I, I was... Like when you were describing strong guy's power, I, I like I was thinking, oh, that that's sort of the Hulk. Like you hit the Hulk, he gets angrier and stronger. But... <laughs> it's
0: kind of the Hulk too, but not in the same yeah. way. I think. I mean, that no, one. Yeah. That one is like he gets angrier so he gets stronger. It's not because he's being hit because if you called him names, if you called the Hulk names and he got angrier from that, he would still get stronger. Still gets, it was just right. it's proportional to his anger rather than this one strong guy actually like if he gets hit by a 5-year-old, he'll get he'll absorb a little bit of energy, but if he gets hit with a truck, he he'll absorb a proportionate amount of ang- uh, of energy to to channel right. back out. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. So some more great art in this. I just love the way that Stroman uh, sets up his pages and sets up his panels because um, he knows exactly how to compose the panels to to give really, really good flow of action. Um, He doesn't go for flashy, like sideways, diagonal panels or anything like that. Because that's what Jim Lee was doing on the pages Mm -hmm. of X-Men. Larry Stroman decides to keep it uh, way more straight in that sense. Um, he still has fun with his panel layouts, but they're not ridiculous like we see in in the pages of X Men number one. Right. In fact, yeah. the only time that he really plays with the panels, uh in a in a drastic way, is on page eighty nine in this epic collection, right at the very kind of the beginning of the fight between Strong Guy and Slab, <clears throat> when when Slab starts picking up police cars and throwing them. Uh, then the panels get distorted a little bit. And that's just to show us the, the frantic nature of the battle. If this were a movie, you know, we'd get the shaky camera going up and down.
1: Yeah. And something I've noticed with the uh, with Strowman's work, some of his um like backgrounds have lines through it. Yep. I don't know. It it almost it kind of reminds me of like, you know, some anime or, or that kind oh, no. of the
0: motion lines, yeah. right? Yeah. Lines, yeah. That's true. He goes very, very crazy with those. They're in they're all over the place. But I think that <laughs> adds to making his work very, very dynamic. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay, here we go. We're gonna go on to issue number seventy five. This is the very big double size. Seventy-fifth issue of X Factor. It's kind of funny that uh, you know we get a, a milestone issue, and we're only four issues into the into this new team, right? right. Yeah. Um, but it also <laughs> acts as a climax to the story because we're going to switch gears and go on to a, another uh, another completely different story arc after this. Right. So, in this one, we this one is called the Nasty Boys, and uh, we are introduced to this team that we uh, we didn't really know anything about Slab or who we, he was associated with, but he is associated with a couple of different, we're assuming, mutant villains who are being led by none other than Mr. Sinister. And Mr. Sinister has been a prominent villain for the X-Men in the last few years leading up to this. And so to have him show up in the pages of X-Factor is pretty exciting. Uh, even though he doesn't really have any ties to these characters, except maybe Alex Summers, I guess, right?
1: Polaris was also on the X-Men, you know, when they faced off with him.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. But but no real right. history, like, if not with any of the yeah. individual characters. Right. Okay, right. here are the Nasty Boys. There is Gorgeous George, who i don't even know what this guy does he like can he has um a very pliable body it seems maybe it's liquid or some sort of something i don't know
1: right yeah (laughs) Yeah. i I don't know he looks like rubber
0: yeah yeah uh there's Hairbag, who just kind of looks like he is a an animal type of a character don't really understand his power set but he has sharp fang like pointy teeth Mm-hmm. There's also Ruckus, who is the team leader, and he can shout really loud. That's kind of why he's called Ruckus. And then Ramrod, who can create rods or staffs out of wood. I guess he can control wood just in general, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Slab is their powerhouse. And then in this issue, we find out also that Multiple Man is also part of the Nasty Boys. That was a big right. shock. So, yeah this this is just kind of weird because it's double-sized so we get a lot of stuff going on but at the the very first beginning of this issue the two multiple mans are tied up and we have to determine who is who and eventually the multiple man who we thought was a fake one um convinces because he's got memories that the other one doesn't he says well no i'm the real one because i have all these memories uh, if I were the dupe, then I would have memory blanks or whatever. And so right. that that multiple man absorbs, eventually absorbs the other multiple man, the one that was originally on X factor, mm-hmm. and they become one being. But then we find out that they were in uh, that he's a nasty boy and he's actually a bad guy, and so he's now gotten rid of the the real uh, the real deal. And yeah. even yeah. in this issue, um, the the real multiple man who is inside havoc or inside Jamie, the fake Jamie. Manages to escape and absorb the dupe. So now, yeah, the real multiple man is back. And so it was like, it was all told in one issue. I kind of think that it would have been nice to play with the the fake Jamie pretending to be the real one and maybe infiltrating X-Factor for a little while. But instead, they kind of showed us right away the the twist.
1: Yeah, I do think it's a cool moment where, you know, the the fake one is is absorbed from the inside yes, by the real one. You know? Definitely a cool but, moment. Yeah. But but yeah, I, I, I do hear what you're saying, that uh, they could have played this out a little bit longer.
0: But I think they didn't want to because they were moving on. I'm sure they had the Incredible Hulk story uh, crossover kind of in the books and right. predetermined at some point. I think they were using the Incredible Hulk story to actually help bring readers on board to the, with this new team. And so they didn't want to delay that too much right um so yeah they kind of needed to wrap up that story all there so and it you know it's fine it's still well told it's it's not doesn't feel rushed it just feels like they it had potential to be something more than that uh, the other thing is that the senator character um who we find out is a mutant himself and his power is called uh, ricochet because yeah. he ricochets powers back at them or something like that it's kind of a weird explanation but he's the one who's been behind the, these characters powers being kind of um, altered because they he takes their power and pits it back against them so that's why Quicksilver is getting old when he runs and stuff so right. they kind of they kind of tied that loose end up as well and in fact they killed that character off at the end of this issue so
1: like, yeah. well it, it was the senator you know shooting at Mr. Sinister and the bullet ricocheting off and, and hitting him in the face
0: yes it's a poetic ending to yep. his character <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah yeah i and I don't understand can, can you explain to me mr sinister's purpose here he he's very vague he's like i I actually wanted x factor to win at the end of this
1: um yeah I, I don't know <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I feel like
1: mr sinister um his his purpose his goals never seem to be very clear like throughout his entire history
0: yeah he's not one of these characters that is like uh, i'm out for world domination or i want to kill everybody he's so concerned right. like with like his genetic experiments and his, the science that he's doing behind the scenes that he orchestrates events that will help him gather the information that he needs and um this i feel is one of those things like he has he definitely has an agenda and we don't know what it is and it wasn't what we thought it was in the end. Right. So I guess we're going to have to yeah. just wait and see. Right.
1: Yeah, um, it, if, it, if it is ever explained. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs> but, so this 75th issue has a, a, a splash page, a double-page spread at the very end of it, featuring the old X-Factor team on one side and the new X-Factor team on the other. Do you notice mm-hmm. which character is missing?
1: Yep. Yeah, new New Quicksilver.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Could be though that he's just running so fast that we can't see him. It's
1: right, yeah. He's he's the um, <laughs> uh, blur in the background.
0: There's not really a... <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But uh, yeah. but the, there are two uh, two multiple men <laughs> in that. That's right. In that image. So
0: it makes it like there's the same amount of characters in the on one side. As there is on the other side of X-Factor, like there's five original X-Men and there's five characters on this new team, not counting Quicksilver of this new team of right. X-Factor. But because Strong Guy is so big and because there's two multiple men, it makes it seem like that team is way, way, way larger, like it has way more members than the other team. But it's just not the case. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this takes us into the, the next story arc. It's actually a three-part story that's told in Incredible Hulk with a little side story that's in X-Factor number 76. And I know for the sake of getting us up to speed, they had to include issue number 390 so we'd understand the conflict, but X-Factor doesn't show up until like the very last panel of this issue, of Hulk number yeah. 390. So I don't think that we need to talk about this issue very much. Let's just make some notes about the things, uh, about the story that, that I think we need to know about.
1: Yeah, it's set in Trans-Sabal, I guess. Yeah. Uh foreign- country where this group called the pantheon is trying to bring down the government and hulk is working with the pantheon and then uh the the government's dictator uh brings in x factor through his diplomatic channels uh, channels to yeah to to take out the hulk and and the pantheon need to know any more than that i, I
0: don't i don't know really. I, I think that's really good this is yeah. a point in Hulk's history where um, Hulk has regained his intelligence and he's also super strong. So he's a very formidable force. And so when X-Factor goes up against him in this next issue, it's uh, it's it's kind of shocking if you don't know anything about this period of the Hulk. Because if you think of Hulk as just like that, the Hulk smash classic style, whatever, then it's like, whoa, what are we looking at? He's like got all these guns and he's talking and... So right. that's interesting. But yeah, you're right. That's all that we really need to know about issue number 390. So we'll go into issue number 391. This one is called Escalation with a classic X-Collation Escalation. <laughs> <Excalation. laughs> right. right. Um and in this one X-Factor and the Hulk have a big fight. In fact, it's it's between the Hulk, the Pantheon and X-Factor. They all the two teams go against each other. And there is an interesting dynamic because the x factor isn't acting independently because they are a government funded and government sanctioned group so they are going in as sort of as u.s military Mm
1: -hmm. yeah a special government like strike force yeah exactly
0: so that uh rubs of course rubs the the hulk and the pantheon the wrong way because they feel like they're doing the right thing by trying to overthrow an oppressive government yeah, And uh, in the end, there's a big explosion and the Hulk and Havoc are caught in the explosion. Um, meanwhile, Wolfsbane gets hit clear across the city, it seems, by the Hulk. Um, and we don't know kind of where any of those characters are. Yeah. So,
1: um, you know, before we <laughs> get into the meat of it, I, I, I really love the scene where uh, X-Factor, they're meeting the, the dictator of, of this country and he's trying to be all suave and he's like kissing all the ladies' hands. And it goes, you know, from Val Cooper to Polaris, Wolvesbane. And then Strong Guy is holding out his hand.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's like, ah, uh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I love the way that Dale Keon draws Strong Guy in this. It's just he's yeah. so incredibly massive. In fact, he does all of these characters really well. He's such a great artist and Mm -hmm. and his hulk is just amazing um yeah these issues the art in these issues are are so good he has a a soft roundness to his characters like you feel like they are like you could hug them all (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah but this is this is x-factor's second mission the first one was the washington monument and then all of a sudden they're sent into international affairs like wow that's a that's quite a jump right. we're making here, going to the Middle East and trying to uh, to get involved in the Middle East conflict. Wow.
1: Yeah, and and it, it seems to be sort of on the side of of like a Saddam Hussein type.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. That's definitely what they're alluding to, especially being yeah. in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: I have all these issues. Well, I, I bound them together. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking through the the original issues, and there's a, an ad for the Operation Galactic Storm in one of them, and, and that's just like, oh, Operation uh, Desert Storm. Like, that's... Yep,
0: that's, this is that's, the era the that we are in. At. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of where the Avengers were at the time, was they took a little bit more of a militaristic approach. And, you know, X-Factor, mm-hmm. of course, the new mutants turned into soldiers for I mean, X-Force, the new mutants turned into soldiers. Right. That's kind yeah. of a, a lot of the reason why you know, comics were reflecting the reality of the situation, and these were the, these were the stories at the time that people understood. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Well, let's yeah. keep on going.
1: All right. X-Factor number 76, titled X-Communication. And again, with the X dash communication.
0: Yep, of course. <laughs> Every time.
1: <laughs> Every time, yeah. <laughs> so primarily, this issue is about uh, following Wolfsbane. How you know she was knocked across the way out of the battlefield from the Hulk, and she's captured by um, a brother and sister who are locals. And yeah, and the the brother really wants to send her to the the, the beloved dictator. <laughs> and meanwhile, there the battle with the rest of x-factor not havoc but everybody else against the the pantheon guys and well at the end of the, the end of the issue the sister knocks the brother with the bottle yeah uh, so wolvesbane can escape and then the brother stabs her and wolvesbane loses it and you know apparently you know tears him up yeah tears it to shreds yeah, and then you know the final final panel is you know Quicksilver rescuing her, but her saying I'm 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 going to burn, <laughs> I just know it forever and ever because you can see the guilt on her face from the artist.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, this is the Tom Rainey guest penciler fill-in issue. It's not really a fill-in, but he's the guest penciler, right? And he does a pretty good job, but I definitely think that I missed Stroman already. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's very different. Now, this is a very different, very interesting issue. It doesn't have the comedy that we've been used to from the first story arc. Right. It deals with some very serious subjects. It deals with, um, it's, it's like a, a very defining moment for Wolfsbane. Everything that we know about her character up until this point is based in the fact that she grew up in a very conservative fundamentalist Christian upbringing and very sheltered and uh, and that is carrying through today and then we're met with you know the religious extreme that uh, that is in the Middle East and how do these two characters who have this apparently the same faith but very very different views about it how how are they going to you know reconcile their beliefs with each other and, you know, the fact is they can't, and this is an ongoing struggle, I think, with, especially in the, with Western, the Western religion and Eastern religion, that, you know, mm-hmm. it's the same religion, but the cultural differences make it so completely different. And you even get that within the Western religion. There are so many different versions of Christianity that, that are so yeah. conflicting and different.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, then there's different versions of Islam as well.
0: Yeah, right. So,
1: but it's it's kind of a very historical <laughs> type of thing where these these views do not get along
0: yeah by the end of the issue i feel like you know rain takes matters into her own hands because the the sister character here is an op- oppressed female who in in middle east culture at this time wasn't given any sort of authority to do anything and so when she d- finally does make a stand in order to to help uh she pays the ultimate price for it and so and then rain um rain ends up killing the brother character and it's like now she's going to hell because she committed murder willingly (laughs) she willingly committed murder and how is that going to affect her uh from now on we're going to see some of the effects of that in these next couple of issues yeah yeah it's interesting how they write this this uh, little story arc because at the end of the Hulk issue, it says you don't have to read X-Factor 76, but you can, it wouldn't hurt, and then come back for this one. And then at the end of the, uh, the the previous X-Factor issue, it says, let me see what it says here. Next month, read Incredible Hulk and then come back here for this one. So it's like if you were just subscribing to Incredible Hulk, you could just read the three Hulk issues and you kind of get the full story. There are a few threads that carry over uh, that are told in the X-Factor issue, like the, this rain story and stuff. But really, this right. issue is outside of the arc. And I don't know why they didn't just make it like a full crossover. The Hulk doesn't even appear in this issue at all. No, yeah. But the, um, yeah. But the Pantheon does. Right.
1: Yeah, I, I
0: don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Okay. Well, we can keep going over to Incredible Hulk number 392 this is war in pieces part three the conclusion fortunes of war and this takes us back uh to kind of what's happening in parallel with what's happening in the x factor issue i think because havoc has been captured and he's tied up in the secret underground base um by the the you know the the guy in charge what is his name um farnock farnock Doll? something like yeah that, farnock yeah. don farnock don don yeah and he seems to have some powers, or not, not powers, I guess he drugs people to make them do what he wants, but right. um, yeah, he's kind of trying to take over Val Cooper's mind, dresses her up in a an outfit or whatever, kind of, you know, to put her in her place kind of a thing. Right. Um, but yeah, the X-Factor team is ready to strike, and I think a lot of them are... Starting to question which side that they are on. They don't exactly know how to interpret the situation. And the Hulk and Havoc have a great conversation about oh, yeah. who's right and who's wrong. I mean, this is the kind of thing that, you know, what this is an ongoing conversation is like, should we be meddling? Should we, the first world country, be meddling in the affairs of the third world country uh, or should we just leave them up alone to do their own thing and if they want to destroy themselves and fine whatever it's their their business or Mm -hmm. do we step in and do the right thing and havoc's stance is we we can't just go in and take out any leaders we don't agree with uh, because like who you know how who gives us the authority to do that and then in the end like does that mean that we eventually if nobody agrees with our view then we get to be the rulers of the entire world like that's not right either so and the hulk's like but you got to do um to do the right thing like t- technically we're not legally on the right side of things but we are on the morally right side of things so so where do you where do we stand there and so like who's right they both have good points good arguments and uh no one really like i don't think any answer is really given no yeah it's it's weird at the very end of this issue the that bad guy the 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 guy far farnock farnock Don, hulk is going to bring him to justice but he's going to let the people decide how they want to deal with the guy who's been controlling and using them and then rick jones comes in and just shoots him right because oh. he's ang- he's sorry yeah there's a whole story arc that we didn't go get into with rick <laughs> jones <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> Right, but I mean when they they have the this dictator facing the the people and like asking the people what what do you want to do with them, the population they just start bowing down to him and stuff and that and that's when Rick shoots him. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah.
0: <laughs> this issue does end on kind of a downer where <laughs> the Hulk he's overlooking Rick and Wolfsbane. They're comforting each other because they both just killed somebody and it's really affected them. And the Hulk doesn't know what to think of the situation either. He kind of just hangs his head and the sun is setting as magenta in the background. It's a really touching scene because we don't know if this was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. Or like it's just a really heavy situation. Yeah. They didn't want to leave these people at the mercy of this dictator but how it was handled wasn't necessarily the right way either
1: and i think it's also interesting the aspect uh, that x factor being a you know a, a government organization and they're sent in there by the by the united states government to maybe fight on the side of the bad guy
0: yeah you know yep yep yeah, there's a whole dynamic there as well. Yeah. Well, overall, I, because this is the end of this storyline, I mm-hmm. did enjoy this a lot. I thought that I love the action, there is just some incredible, incredible moments that uh, as you're reading this, you know, there's no point in discussing more than just, this has great action. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. When you when it comes to the Hulk, you have to expect that, and this one doesn't disappoint. But, yeah, uh, me, you know, mix that in with some really good conversations about co- the conflict of war and the uh, conflict of religion and... What does it mean to do the right thing, even if it's legally not the right thing? If it, Is it still morally the right thing to do? And yeah, it's, a, it's just asked a bunch of questions. And the nice thing is okay. that you I don't get the sense that Peter David was taking one side or the other. So we can come up with our own conclusions as the reader as to um, who is right and who is wrong, which I think is probably the best way for political issues to be presented in <laughs> this kind of thing. Otherwise, yes. one side is right. screaming, they have an agenda they're trying to push.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so with the ending of, of this this issue, uh, it, I don't remember if Wolfsbane had ever met Rick Jones before. You know, like, did, do they know each other? Or
0: I don't think so. I think they may have just met through this battle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Just,
0: just wondering. It was just a convenient ending because they both went through a similar experience, I think. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. they had to, they had to make it so that they were at least somewhat familiar. Otherwise it would be kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Hey, you killed someone. So did I, let's, let's hug. <laughs> <laughs> let's hug <right>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, overall, what are your impressions? I know that you love this run. What are your impressions of these first few issues?
1: Um, Well, I think they're really, really good. Gets off to a really good start. And and it's fun rereading this after, you know, I mean, because it's been a long time since I've read any of these. But, like, revisiting this and, uh, yeah. And I'll be looking forward to reading more and discussing the, the rest of the series with you.
0: Definitely. And we'll be back next week uh, to talk about more of this for sure. So yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jared, for joining me on this and talking about X-Factor. It's uh, definitely different from the last X-Factor Uh, episode that we did which was on the the very first volume (laughs) so this is great and so the epic collections actually continue um we have the next couple of volumes so we might uh we'll do a few episodes in a row of x factor to keep this conversation going but yeah be back next week as we tackle the last half of this book x factor number 77 to 83 plus annual number seven Join us on Facebook. If you search for Epic Collections, you can find my Epic Collection group where we talk about epics all day long. And uh, you can also find the Epic Marvel Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So please uh, follow all of those, subscribe, and uh, be my friend. (laughs) Okay, great. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next week.
1: Have a good one.